Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Yeah, and I'm excited for everyone who decided to have a Bible study with me today. All righty. Well, we have been carving our way through the foundations of what we believe. And we've, we talked about repentance. We talked about baptism last week. And then I was unable to finish on baptism. So we're going to finish today talking about baptism. And uh, I'm excited because next week we're going to be in the, in the new building. And we're going to be talking about new life. And we're going to talk about the Holy Ghost. I'm gonna, we're going to go deep into it. And I want to encourage you guys that this isn't Sunday service where I'm up here doing a monologue, but this should be dialogue. I want you guys to feel free to ask questions, make comments. I'm not going to think you're talking too much. I love feedback. So if I'm saying something up here, you're like, that don't make sense. I want you to be like, hey, Dan, what's up with that? And I don't think I have all the answers. The smartest person in the world is alive and rarity because she knows where to go to get all the answers. So I have resources and amazing people in my life that if I don't have an answer, that's fine. I'll tell you I don't. And then I'll go discuss it with those wise people and I will come back to you and we will study together and we'll find the answers that we're looking for. But I've, I've done a, I did a lot of Bible studies and I have postered flyers over a whole neighborhood and told everybody, bring all the questions you got. So I'm not scared of questions, guys. So please feel free. I would hate for anybody to leave here and feel like I was going to ask that question. So we're going to finish talking about baptism. We talked about repentance. I, uh, I even left here. You know, I always say like, when I'm teaching on repentance and baptism, I always act like we should already have an understanding of these things. We've been raised in it. We all go through this. But then I was further expounding on repentance to one of my friends this week. And I like, I worded it to him and I said, you know, if repentance is stopping myself from sinning, then that's basically like a list of sins that I can't do and I stay away from. If that's repentance, then I basically put myself back under the law. And it was a really cool concept when we started talking about it. And I'm like, because that's what the law was, was a list of rules that you didn't do. And God came to do away with the law to give us a new type of covenant. And in the new covenant, it's different. And, and so we were, I was like, so true repentance is me simply acknowledging in my heart and in my mind that that is sin. Then I can pray and I can, me and God can work it out of my life. But if I've got to stay in the mindset of repentance, and that's by acknowledging what is sin. I don't care if the world tells me something's not a sin. I don't care if college tells me something's not a sin. I don't care if my principal tells me something's not a sin. What does the word of God say about that subject? If I'm talking about lying, what does the word of God say about it? If the word of God teaches me that it is a sin, even though I'm in the new covenant, doesn't make it not a sin. It's still my responsibility to acknowledge that it is a sin and then allow God to work in my life. So we covered that and then we talked about baptism. We talked about 
different questions that we tried to answer on baptism, and we went through it. And now, anytime we're dealing with the Bible, and you're dealing with Genesis all the way up to John, Genesis to John, all of this has this underlining feel as you read and study into it that something is coming. You get that sense through the whole Bible. Just wait. It's coming. There's coming. There's a Messiah. He's on his way. There's some things that are going to be better. It's coming. Then you get to the book of Acts, and it's it already came. It's here. This is what we're doing now. And then once we go past the book of Acts, we get a definition of what just took place. I've heard preachers preach that if you haven't been... If you haven't repented and been baptized and received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you have no reason reading anything after the book of John. Because you're reading somebody else's mail. That was all letters written to churches who were baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and repented. So they have a little bit of a different understanding on those concepts because they're in the church body that was in that position. So if somebody who has never repented, never believes, or never gone to church just opens the book of Romans and starts reading it, they're really not going to have a full understanding of what that's talking about because they haven't experienced it. So now that we've been going through this Bible in, Rome, in baptism, we've come to the book of Acts, and I've been dealing with showing you guys examples of them getting baptized. We're going to deal with that a little bit more tonight, and then we're going to get to the letters written to the people who were baptized, which is going to explain to us what it all was. So we've seen, we know that we needed to do it, we know that it's important, that it's for everybody, that Jesus did it as an example for us. He even sent somebody to do it before he started his ministry. So we see all of that, but now we're going to, we're going to go a little bit further because we're going to run into something a little wild here. And it is in Acts 19. Acts 19 is like the defender of baptism. People who say well, baptism is not really for today and all that kind of died out, they have a real problem with Acts 19. They're going to have to rip that out of their Bible because it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to blast a hole in that theory. Here it says, while Paulus was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior region until he reached emphasis on the coast where he found several believers. So he didn't find people who didn't believe. He found people that were already believers. And the first thing he asked them is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So he starts talking about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to definitely get into this when we deal with the Holy Spirit with that next week. But he tells them here, that there's more than just believing. These are people who believe. They walked the earth the same time Jesus was on the earth and got crucified. And he still says to them, do you know what the Holy Spirit is? In today's world, that's a little odd. Like, I, I have people, when they ask me what my religion is, and I finally let them know. And then they go, oh, so you, you speak in tongues? And I'm like, yeah, I speak in tongues. And they're like, I'm always like, no, that's all I mean, if I'm praying, you might hear it, or if I'm talking to God, but it's not something I just do to show off. But here, 
we have him come into contact with other believers, and it's the first thing he records that he asks them. Have you received the Holy Spirit? And I know, like, I'm not about division. I'm all about acceptance and unity, even within denominations. I don't understand why we have to argue about one person's point of view or another. If we believe Jesus Christ came, died, and rose again, then we should have no problem believing and uniting together. But here's where some people draw lines. Because... We can't act like Paul and go up to other believers and say, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You started going to church. Did you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? I got to move on because I'm going to get stuck on this because I love talking about the Holy Ghost. And we're going to do that next week. But there's power in the Holy Ghost and we're going to see how important that is. But they replied, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And then he asked them, then what baptism did you experience? So Paul here says, have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you spoken tongues? Have you got baptized in the Holy Ghost? And then when they say no, his first thought is, then how were you baptized? That'd be kind of a coincidence that some of the churches that don't believe in speaking in tongues in the baptism of the Holy Ghost don't baptize the way we're seeing them baptized here. So he asked them, then what baptism did you experience? And they replied, the baptism of John. Now, does anybody remember John from last week? John's baptized. Who else was baptized by John? A lot of people. Who else? Jesus. These believers believed in God were baptized the same way that the Messiah was baptized. So if you're if you're looking at it from these guys' point of view, they're like, they have an argument to stand on. They have a leg to stand on here. I think it's so beautiful. Paul says, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. So he tells them, okay, I know, I know you guys got baptized. I know you believe in God. I know you're believers. I know that, you've, that you're in touch with what God's doing. But there's more. There's more to experience, guys. I, they, these guys were baptized the way Jesus was baptized, and he still says to them, there's more. There's more that God has in store for your life. I really hope every one of you guys believe that today. There's more that God has in store for your guys' life than what you can imagine today. I couldn't imagine today, five years ago, that I'd be standing here from you could preach it. I didn't know that that's what God had in store for our lives is a God of a seed and he plants something small inside you that he knows he can grow when he needs it. So just like these people today, there was more for them than what they knew about. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they didn't go, well, wait a minute. 
Paul, let's talk about this. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know what that's about. Let's further, let's let's dig into this. Are you sure? Because you know, Jesus got baptized that way. Are you saying that he didn't get it right? They didn't break into all of these amazing arguments that our world loves to throw out. Instead, they simply did what the man of God was talking about. Let's try it. Okay, we should get baptized in Jesus' name. Let's get baptized in Jesus' name. If we are more receptive to God's word and the men of God that he places in our life, we can find the treasures that God has in store for our life. Just like these people here. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. There's another reason why we lay hands in this church. It's not just because we want to put fingerprints on people. It's because the Bible tells us to lay hands on people. What if Paul would have baptized these people, but he would have stopped there? And he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have ministered the laying on of hands. Power and a gift that God had for them. So, what is baptism? Now we're going to move into the New Testament beyond the book of Acts, where we're going to get some explanation of what is really going on when we're doing this. Everything that we do in the natural realm has a spiritual side to it. What we're doing, what Christ hung on that cross, he was also a sacrificial lamb in the spiritual realm. Everything that we do represents the spiritual side of it. So this is going to explain to us, it's not just people getting dumped in water. It's actually a representation in the natural of what's taking place in the spiritual. So we're going to see that here. And we're going to start in Galatians 3 and 26. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. I had a buddy just get baptized this last Sunday and I was so excited about it because the scriptures like this. He's no longer the, the Mike Gantner that I grew up with. He's no longer the kid who, who ran wild and did crazy things. He's no longer that guy because Galatians tells me that when he went in that water, he came out with something else. It wasn't no longer Mike, but he put on Christ like putting on new clothes. And there's a reason why we don't baptize people when they're a baby, because we don't want people getting baptized without this understanding. Mike actually came last Sunday before to get baptized. And I was like, no, don't get baptized this week. We'll get some, some minister of the gospel line, right? <laughs> Tell the people not to get baptized. No, but I told him no because I was like, let's talk a little bit about this. And when we were saying it, he was like, well, I'm worried that, you know, once I get baptized, that if I do something wrong afterwards, basically I got baptized for no reason. I'm like, see, we need to talk. <laughs> That's some of the stuff we need to talk about. And I want you to have a clear understanding of what you're getting yourself into and what is going on in the spiritual realm that you're expressing before the church in the natural. 
And this was one of the scriptures that I read with him and I showed him, you know, you're putting on a new character. You're no longer, when the devil comes back to you and he says, hey, you remember you really like this stuff? You're no longer who you were. You're no longer that old person. I've already repented. I've died to sin. I've turned against it. And now I've been buried with Christ. I'm raising to a new life. I'm not going to be stuck in the old. There, and he says here, there is no longer Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, female. There are no more differences. We are united in Christ. And now that you belong to Christ, wait, for you are all one in Christ. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham and his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham Belongs to you. You got time this week. Look up Deuteronomy 28. Look up Deuteronomy 28 and see what the blessings and the curses that they promised to Abraham. See what Abraham's promise was. we'll, We'll do a study on it. One day I'll do a whole sermon on Abraham's promise. But this week, if you get time, you get bored, you want to spend some time in the Word of God, do a small study on it. Because you're going to understand something. He promised Abraham a son. He promised him, but a lot more came from Abraham's promise. Abraham was a wealthy man. Abraham had an army. He had an army that was on his command. He chased down kingdoms and took back all that they had stole. He did amazing things because of the promise that was living in him that God made to him. God promised his people. The, the children of Israel, he promised them blessings because they were Abraham's heir. This is the same promise that's given to us when we're baptized. Oh, that's, you know, that's so good, guys. Like, I'm sorry that I can't expound on this as much as I would really like to. But I've I've seen people in this world. How many of you guys have seen people in this world that you're just like, wow, they, their life is just always dealing with a bad hand. They're just, they can't get ahead. There's problem after problem after problem. That does not belong in the children of God's life. It doesn't belong in our life. If I'm baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and I'm an heir to Abraham. I'm not going to go through the problems that the world's going through because I get the promise that was promised to Abraham. That, and when you, when you, now, that is for everyone. We just read about that. Baptism's for everybody. We went over that last week. But to you and to your children, it's a far off. Anybody who believes, it's for them. But if I don't know, and I don't put my faith in it, and I don't understand it, and faith the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When he pins that out there and he gets to that word hope, he isn't using it like we use the word when we throw a basketball and we hope it goes in. He's not using it like that. That hope is a Christian phrase and he's using it for Christians, for a Christian understanding. And that hope means confidence in the word of God. So when I have faith, Faith is me materializing. It's making things come into play that are based on the promises that I found in the word of God. Me living my life in a way because I know what the word of God says. 
So I can't have faith in my baptism if I don't understand all the promises that come along with it. But once I understand the fact that, wait a minute, I'm baptized in the name of Jesus. I'm no longer who I used to be. Now I'm a child of God. Now I'm an heir of Abraham. Now I can put my faith that I'm not going to go through some of the things that are going on in the world today. I'm not going to have the plagues and the problems that I've seen people around me have because I don't belong to their camp anymore. Now I belong to the tribe of Israel. I belong to the children of God. Um, let's go to Ephesians chapter two. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. The commander of the powers in the unseen world. He's the commander of those powers in the unseen world. Guess what? Satan doesn't have a play in my life. He doesn't get to affect my life because I'm not part of his world. He used to be. I used to live in sin. I used to be like the rest of the world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. So this is the world that everybody lives in who hasn't been baptized in Jesus' name. This is their life. They have no other choice. This is it. But God, so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead, because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. When did he do that? When we were still dead in our sins. He didn't wait until we got our life better. He didn't wait until we finally quit doing all the things that the devil convinces us is so terrible. He didn't wait until we were perfect to love us. But he still loved you when you were a dirty sinner. I find it hard to believe how sinners can think that they're not loved by God. I mean, how Christians can think that they're not loved by God. When we understand this passage, if he loved me when I was covered in sin and not caring and not trying, how much more does he love me? When I'm trying, when I when I'm caring, when I'm giving <laughs> the effort that it takes to be in his presence. If we understand that concept. You guys should be a lot more confident in how you live your life with God. We shouldn't fall for the tricks of the devil when he comes around and convinces us that we're a terrible human being. Because I understand the fact that even at my worst, God loved me. Even when I was dead in sin, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realm. Because we are united with Christ Jesus. God can point to us 
in future generations as examples of his incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. How do you like that? We're trophy wives. The bride of Christ is a trophy wife. That's what we are. That's what we are. Hell, what was hell created for? So I know this. And, and his angels. He had that. He had a question in his, in his face. And I loved it. What was hell created for? For Satan and his angels. Hell wasn't created for me. Hell wasn't created for you. It wasn't created for humanity. It was created for Satan and his angels. That's what it was made for. We are going to be that shining trophy on the wall that God says, oh, I'm not graceful. Look at that. I say it all that I didn't have to. Graceful God, I am just God. But if you don't obey my commands, there are punishments. That is what makes his righteousness so pure. It's the fact that he is graceful, he is loving, and he is just. God saved you by grace when you believed. So again, if I think in my head that just getting dunked in the water is just going to get my clothes wet and I'm going to go home. That I'm missing out on this beautiful grace. I have to believe that this is what baptism is. Baptism is not just me getting wet in front of a bunch of people who laugh at the way my hair looks now. Baptism is a sign, a representation of what's taking place in the spiritual realm. While I'm putting on Christ like new clothes, I'm dying off to the old man and I'm becoming the new creature that Christ wanted me to be. I'm standing up as an example of his mercy and grace for future generations. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So having a list of these sins and staying away from them and going, oh, look at me. I did so good. I never stole. I never cheated. I never steal. I never did any of these bad things. Look how great I am. Doesn't mean anything to God. It says in the Bible that our righteousness is as of filthy rags. That's what that means. That's what it means. If you think you're good, you miss the whole point. You miss the whole point. If you think you can keep yourself from sinning, you miss the whole point. You miss the whole point. God does not want you to make sure that you get salvation. He wants you to rely on Him. He wants you to focus in your mind what is sin. Don't be don't be confused. Have a clear understanding of what his word says is sin. And he wants you to believe that he can save you from it. Now you he can. For we are God's masterpiece. He's going to take pride in the work he does in your life. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the so he has created us a new, not the old person now. I'm a new creation in Christ. When I've been baptized, I'm no longer what I used to be. I don't care how long the devil wants to try to convince me I'm still the same. I'm not. My flesh is, but this is going to die. My soul is different. My spirit is different. It's made anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us. Long ago. So what does Satan do? 
He tries to convince you that you're not new, that you're the old you. And why does he do that? So you won't do what God planned for your life. Because if you're convinced that you're a terrible human being, you're never going to come up here for his front youth group. You're never going to stand out on the corner and witness. You're never going to tell somebody how their life can be better if you still believe your life is bad. We have to have faith in these scriptures that I'm a new creature. I'm no longer the old way. I'm new. Colossians 2, 12 through 17 tells us, for you were baptized or when you, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him, you are raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. What would happen, especially we watched those WWE wrestling But what would happen if you were dumped in the baptismal tank, but they never pulled you up? If they dumped you under the water, and then they left you, you die. You die. You're dead. That's what's going to happen to you. And that's why that's why we pull them back out of the water. That's why they rise up out of that. We don't leave them down there in the place of death. They'd be in that place of death because that's where they started from. And if I leave them down there, that's where they're going to be at. But they have to make a conscious decision in their mind. I'm going to repent. This is sin. What I've been doing in my life is wrong. I've got to get it right. Then they walk up to a baptismal tank and they willingly put themselves in a place of death. And they bury them and raise them to a new life. And they can start fresh and clean. And there's no longer this hanging condemnation over them. They're no longer bound to the things that they were bound to. But now they're free to live a life, a new life, as God planned. And with him, you were raised to a new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God. If you don't trust in the gospel message, it does you no good. You're raised to life because you trust in the power of God. You trust that when I'm going under this water, he's doing things in the spiritual realm. This isn't just me getting wet. I got to put my faith in that power that there are things happening in the heavens that I can't even understand here on this earth. But God's in mighty places doing mighty things on my behalf. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. It was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. Everything you've done wrong is wiped away, put under the blood. And we continue that by living a life of repentance. Baptism, what we do in a baptismal tank is a one-time representation. But baptism should not be a one-time thing in our life. Baptism is an ongoing process. I got to remember 
when I was dunked under that water. I got to remind myself that I'm dead to sin. It doesn't have power over me. I can choose to do it, but it doesn't control me. It doesn't have, I have to remember that I'm living a new life now. I'm not going to live the way I used to live. I'm not going to act the way I used to act. And I might've been baptized 20 years ago, but I still sometimes have to get up and remind myself I'm still covered by the blood. It says he forgave all my sins. So now I can live the way that his word tells me to live. I'm not held to the master that I used to serve. He canceled the record of the charges against us, took it away and nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed. Here we are again. He nails your sins to the cross that he was hung on. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. Who, who did he just say that was a couple, a couple of scriptures ago? Who was the, the dark power of authority? The devil. He disarms the devil's control in your life. I've heard people say, you know, I, I had a guy that I came here. I baptized him here in shorts. That's it. <laughs> just a tattoo shown. It was beautiful. But before he got in the water, he, he was saying to me, you know, that he was like, there's things that I can't stop doing. And because I remember this scripture, I could tell him with faith that all ends today. If you're in the world and you haven't been baptized, you haven't taken on the name of Christ, then maybe he might have a little bit of control on you. But as for a child of God, his head is under my feet. He doesn't have a control in my life. He doesn't have a say. He's the snake and I'm the man. If you read the prophecy on that, I crush his head. He can bruise my heel. He can he can, he can cause me a little trouble. I made my car break down. I made me but that's it. Just a little, just a little bruise on my heel. That's all it was. While I'm stepping on his head and crushing his head by leading people to God, by showing people how to change their life, and by breaking the power that he has over their life. Because he disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't, and he goes right into it. So don't let anyone condemn you. For what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. Don't let anybody condemn you. What does that mean? That means if you come to me and you're like, hey, I just stole the candy bar out of this shop down there. I'm going to tell you that stealing probably shouldn't do that. You should probably go take that back. You could probably live a little better than that. What I'm not going to do is say you're going to hell. Because if I say you're going to hell, then I'm saying that Christ's blood isn't enough to cover stealing. And I don't believe that. I believe Christ's blood annihilates all sin. So therefore, your stealing isn't going to stop you from going to heaven and hell. I believe that's something God's going to have to work on in your life. And I'm going to help you grow. I'm going to give you good godly advice. We're going to go down this. But what I'm not going to do is condemn you for what you eat or drink or for what you celebrate or what you don't understand. We're going to grow in this. People are going to understand new things. I've been in a long time. I'm still learning. I'm going to die learning. And then I'm going to have to 
bunch of questions. <laughs> and that's the process that we live in this life. But nobody can condemn you if you put on Christ. That is something we have to hold on to and understand. For these rules, these rules, these rights and wrongs, these sins, these rules, they were the law. And that is only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. First Peter, we're getting close, guys. I got to get through these today. Is it 8 o'clock already? I'm not going to get through these today. <laughs> My goodness, people. How do I get stuck up on this? All right, let's go. First Peter 3. Christ suffered for the sins once for all time, and never he never sinned. But he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, and he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Those who disobeyed God long ago when God patiently waited while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. So once Christ died. So do I need to get baptized more than once? Once, once, once was enough for all time, for all sin. So does that mean if I've been baptized and I mess up again, I'm bad, I'm done, I just can't get back in the kingdom? No, because he died once for all sin. He didn't die only for the sin that I did before. He died for all the sin that I acknowledge and then I let him nail to the cross. All of that sin. Only eight people were saved from drowning by this terrible flood. And the water is a picture of baptism. Noah's flood was a representation of baptism. Which now saves you, by, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, if we left you in the water, you'd die. It's only effective because you were raised again. It's only effective because you have a new life. Your baptism won't matter if you don't live a new life for Christ. If you get baptized and you live the same way you lived before, it's of no value. It has no power. You've lost the power of it because you're not practicing the resurrection aspect. You're not practicing the part where he rose again. He is seated in a place of honor next to God and all the angels and authorities and power accept his authority. I'm going to stop there. We'll have to get into Romans next week. Anybody got anything they want to add? Any cool statements that I forgot? Please hit me with some knowledge. Is it helpful at least? Good. Look, guys, the, the, the gospel is all three. It's not just death. If we live a life full of death and we haven't experienced the full gospel, it's not just burying our sin. But it is about raising again. And when we come back next week, I'm going to dive into the Holy Spirit. We were going to, I was going to get into Romans 6, 1 through 14. So how about I give you guys some hope? Go home and read Romans 6, 1 through 14. It's another amazing representation of baptism. 
Honestly, you can go six, seven, and eight if you really got a lot of time because all of that shows you it all. It shows you baptism. It shows you the struggle before baptism, and then it ends in the victory of the new life and being raised from that dead. Let's stand to our feet. We will end in prayer today. Wake up your partner next to you if they're sleeping. <laughs> all right. No, you either do. Daddy gave you permission. <laughs> All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Allow us to accept your word today into our hearts, God, that you will make our hearts fertile to accept this seed and grow, Lord, in our lives that will bear fruit, Lord, that we will be able to lead other people to this gospel message and that we will put our faith and our hope in the word of God that tells us what baptism really is. That everybody in this room today, God, that we will find ourselves dead to this world and alive in you, God. We thank you for your wonderful grace, your precious blood, and your unfailing mercy and love, God. We worship you and praise you. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.